Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. We're in Exodus chapter number two, and last September I was with a a few folks from our music team. Uh, We were at a conference in Tennessee. And uh, uh, I, I'm not a musician, but I love to sing, and so I like to impersonate one sometimes. And, and I was there just trying to be challenged in, 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 in my own life and in our leadership in our church and growing together with some in our church family. It was a conference that Sammy, Pastor Sammy, had attended, I think by himself the year before, and in, encouraged us to take some, a few folks, and he's taken a few others um, that serve in our music ministry this year, I believe. And, and I was there, and, and I, I heard a pastor, he stood up and he preached from this passage Exodus chapter number two, and I've pondered and thought of these verses several times since that evening or that morning, whatever it was that he preached. And what I'm preaching tonight is not the message of his title. I'm not preaching his whole title, although his outline was pretty simple, so it's not, he actually didn't have like points, so I, I'm kind of preaching his outline because they're the points that are in the, in the passage. Uh, but I rarely, rarely do I, I, I don't feel, I just personally, I think I, I heard one, one person say, um, you, you get pollen from a lot of places, you study and you read and you read the Bible and you look at commentaries, and then as pastors we, we make our own honey, if you will. And so uh, I, I, I don't know that I've almost ever just preached another man's message, and that's not what I'm doing tonight. Um, For one thing, I think his message was 19 minutes that day, Pastor Sammy, and you know that's not possible for me. So you know that I'm not preaching only. How many of you like me to try to be like him tonight? Let me just see. You like me to, a few of you are honest enough to raise your hand. Josh did back there, little Sam back there, all right? And so we'll see. But... uh, But Exodus chapter number two, let's look at verse number 23, and I want to bring a message this evening that I've entitled, I've titled four words that will change your life, four words that will change your life. Exodus chapter number two, would you read verse number 23 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. I think most of us know this story. The children of Israel are living in Egypt. By the way, we often look at um, the children of Israel living in Egypt as a bad thing, which I think ultimately you could say it, it was. It wasn't really, I think, where they were supposed to be. You can trace it all the way back. But there was a time that their, their experience and their involvement in Israel was actually a really positive thing for them. You remember how how Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery, and God, through his faithfulness through dark times and through his life, had raised him up to a position of great influence and great power. And you recall there was a great famine in the land, and so what happened, his brothers came to get food, and there's that whole, at the end of Genesis, there's that whole um, reuniting. And what happens is, um, because of Joseph's blessing in in the power and power structure of Egypt, being uh, one of the top leaders in the most powerful nation and government on earth at that time, um, he was able to bring his family. 
and they got really good places to live, and they got really good jobs, and life was good for that, for the family of Israel, if you will, during those days. But as the time passed, and we see here in the process of time, when, by the time we get here into Exodus, what has happened is those that knew and loved Joseph have since died, and now those that are in leadership in Egypt are threatened by the Israelites. And so what do they do to the Israelites? They put them in bondage, and they make them slaves, and they're living a terrible life. They're living a life, and we see that in this verse, and came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage. Of, of, of the bondage. What we see here are very dark days for the children of Israel, really at this time for decades, if not centuries. Centuries without freedom, without dignity, centuries of suffering and slavery, never a day without groaning, without tears, wondering where is God, where is hope, what is going on. In the process of time, they have gone from a very high position to the lowest of the low with no hope in sight. What is the purpose of our existence? Why are we walking through this? And then we see four thoughts here in verses 24 and 25. Would you look in verse 24? It says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. I'm sorry, unto them. I want us this evening, I want to encourage you to dwell on these four verbs that we see here, these four statements, these four words that we're going to pull out. And I believe that these four words could change your life because they can change and or remind you of who God is in your darkest seasons, in your darkest times, when you're sighing by reason of the bondage. What is that? You're sighing by the circumstances you're facing. Another day of this? When is the light going to break through? I've got to keep carrying this. I've got to wake up and go do that again. I'm just another slave. Another day and another week and another year and another decade and another generation and my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids of, of slavery and of bondage and of pain and of tears. And we see four thoughts here that will change as we walk through those things. So the cry comes up to God, and I see number one, God heard. God heard, do you see it there in verse 24? And God heard their groaning. He heard the cries of his children. I want you to stop and consider that, that you and I, we can speak uh, words that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty hears. We can say things that the creator of the universe hears. Sometimes when we read the Bible, I think, again, we just read verses, and we read, well, they, they sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered, all right, I read my Exodus 2 for the day. They were in, a, a, they were in generations of, of pain and of suffering and of bondage, and they sighed, and they cried, and what does it say? What's the reply? And God heard. He hears. 
He hears. The King of kings, I can say words that He hears. The one who flung the stars into the sky, He hears you. There is no such thing for the children of God as meaningless, empty words. God hears. What a mind-blowing truth. God has blessed Tiffany and me with five children. And at times it gets rare, more, more and more rare now that we're all seven in, in a, in a, at a table together eating or in a vehicle together driving. But when we're all together, there are times when everybody, or it feels like everybody is trying to talk. You ever been there where there's two or three or four people trying to talk? And what do we say? Be quiet. I can't hear you. What are you trying to stop? Your sister's trying to talk. Be quiet. Stop talking. I'm trying to hear your brother. Stop. You're, did you hear? Son, mom's calling you. Why? Because sometimes we don't hear. Sometimes the noise of likes, make, we don't hear what our loved ones are saying to us, but I love this truth, this word, God heard. God hears. Men, have you ever been in trouble because your wife says something and you forgot to do it, and you say, you say, well, you never told me that. She says, I told you that last week. Anybody? Anybody ever been there? I think it's conspiracy. They don't ever tell us. They, they think we're going to, they never told us, right, men? Am I right? They never told us, and then they expect us to remember something they never told us. Ladies, you didn't tell us, all right? And all God's men said? All right. Brother Doug, you've been married 40 years. If you want to go to 41, don't say amen that loud next time, all right? Here's the reality. Sometimes even our spouses don't hear. We're not quite listening to each other as we should sometimes. We're not, we're not listening. We don't hear. We don't, we, we don't hear what they're saying. But sometimes those even that are closest to us don't hear, but God heard. They cried out to him, God, and God heard, it says there. God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. Sometimes we don't hear, but God hears every voice and every language. And, and no matter how many are talking to him, I can't explain all of that, but God hears you. And what a friend we have in Jesus, we sang tonight. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So we love the idea that God hears, but that begs the question, are we talking? Are we talking? Are we telling him what's on our hearts? Uh, oh, some of us are talking to friends, and others of us are talking, like Pastor Caleb was talking about, about friends, and some of us are talking on social media, and some of us are talking on text messages, but is our cry ever going up to God? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What if you could get an audience with the CEO of your company or, or the President of the United States or some other powerful person? What if you could get an audience with some person in an industry that you're, and you could get a half an hour or an hour to sit down and talk to them? You would be so excited. I get to meet with so-and-so today for a half an hour, an hour. They're going to listen to me, and I'm going I'm to get to talk to them, and they're going to they're gonna hear me. But you and I have an audience with the creator of the universe any time that we want. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, but do we? How's our prayer? How's our prayer life? Have, have you ever spent 30 minutes or an hour or more on hold because there's a problem some, with something? And you call the customer service line, operator, operator, representative, let me get your, please tell me what your problem is. Operator, that's my problem. I want to talk to a human. And then it says, all right, let us help you. It may be recorded. And then they hang up on you. You got to call back. And you finally get to a person, and you tell them your whole story for them to say, 
sir, that's not my department. Here's the number you'll need to call. Anybody been there? And then you tell the next person, sir, there's nothing I can do about that. Let me escalate that to my manager. And, you tell, and you're like, will somebody listen to me? Someone that has the power to do something about my problem? Can I please, who is it that I can talk to that has the power to do something about my problem? Just let me talk to them. And may I say to you, believer, tonight that you and I have access to the one that can do something about all of our problems. We don't have to wait on hold, and we don't have to get transferred to another department. God heard there groaning. It'll change your life if you'll understand that truth that God heard. The one who has all power said you can call anytime. And then it says, God heard their groaning, the next verb, do you see it in verse 24? And God what? God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God remembered. You ever feel like he forgets? God, I'm claiming that promise. But he heard them in the context of the promise he had made to their forefather, Abraham. They were groaning, God, I thought you were going to make a great nation of us. This doesn't look like a great nation. We're living the worst existence ever. God, I thought you were going to bless us as the sand of the seashore. I thought that was your promise. God, you said you were going to use us to bring forth the Messiah. God, this doesn't look like, like we're in the world-saving business. This looks like we're in the slavery business. This looks like life stinks. This looks like I've got no, I'm in a dead end, not even a job, a dead end existence with no way out. But the Bible says God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant. God hears you in the context of the promises that he has given to you. He, see, he, 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 hears us and what, he hears us in the context of what he plans to do in and through his people. God, God had committed to bless Abraham, and may I say this, we are the children of Abraham. I'm not talking about replacement theology, I'm talking about Galatians chapter number 3 where it says, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Spiritually speaking, we are sons of Abraham, as that really dumb children's song says, Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. Spiritually speaking, and again, I'm not talking about the church replaces Israel. That's not my message. That's another message for another time. I'm not talking about replacement theology. I'm talking about spiritually speaking, the promise that God, all of those things that God had promised, we've been engrafted into the family of God, and you and I are heirs to the promises of the Word of God, and God hears us. Sometimes it feels like, God, your promises, are they failing? Have you forgotten what's going on? But God heard, and God remembered. He never fails in His promise. He hears, remembering the promises he has made to his people. You and I don't pray to a distant, unapproachable, inactive deity. We pray to the one who is at work, keeping the promises he has made to us. He never sleeps nor rests. Let that change your life. God hears, God heard, and God remembers. God remembered. Number three, we see God saw. Verse 25, and God looked upon the children of Israel. That truth can change our lives. He sees his children. Not just collectively, sometimes we say, well, the church, and, and I try to remind us, the church is not the building, the church is you and me. When we say, well, is the church, is this a, is this a, a joyful church? The, the way we answer that is, are we joyful Christians? Is this a generous church? Are you a generous Christian? Is this a soul-conscious church? Are you soul-conscious? 
God doesn't just look at us collectively of, oh, those are all my children down there. That's not how you look at your children. I love that child, and I love that child, and however many God's given you, you have a special love for each one of them and a special prayer, and a special heart's desire. God sees his children. He sees the life and circumstances of every one of his children. And I can't explain all of that, the omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence of God, but his eye is on you. Remember last Sunday morning's message with Hagar? Let God open your eyes. What did we see with Hagar, a single mom in a really deep, dark place where her son's about to die? And what did we see? And God heard and saw the plight of of Hagar and Ishmael. God sees. He knows who you are and where you are and what you're facing. He hears and he remembers and he sees you're never outside of his gaze. He never gets distracted and loses track of you. It might feel that way sometimes, but it's never true. I, I hate to admit, but I've lost my children from time to time. There have been times we've been out at places, and we'll say where Tiffany walked in today uh, after we got home from lunch with the uh, Pensacola Christian College uh, ministry team, and we got home from lunch, and Trey and Annalise took Lucky on a little walk, and then Lucky was back in the house, and Tiffany walked in and said, where's Trey and Annalise? I said, I don't know. I'm about to take a nap. That's not my, not my responsibility. They're old enough to figure it out for themselves. She said, I don't see him out front. I said, I don't know. I'm, Lucky's here. I don't, they're around. They'll be Okay. I've lost track of my kids before. When Trey was four, we lost him at downtown Disney. We took our eyes off him for just a minute somewhere around the Lego store. Fifteen or twenty minutes of fear-induced, heart-racing panic. I had lost my child in a sea of hundreds if not thousands of people. I've, I've lost track of my children before, but God has never lost track of you. You're never outside of His gaze or outside of His care. That never happens with God. I like what the songwriter said, although there have been times I've been out of His will, I've never been out of His care. He never turns His back on you. He only did that to one of His children 2,000 years ago on Calvary as, as Jesus took the sin of all mankind and the world went dark and the veil was rent in twain. God doesn't watch you cynically or regretfully or with a heart of condemnation. He watches over you with love, with the love of a father. How do you watch over your children as they play in a public park or in a public place? Or yesterday we had the privilege, our uh, Trey was in a, in a uh, flag football ter- tournament where he played four games yesterday. How did I watch my child with joy and with care and with celebration and with excitement when they're involved in something? How do we watch over our children as they're We watch them with love and joy and care and excitement as they do those things. How much more our Heavenly Father. The joy when you see your kids, uh, our hearts burst with joy. I know what it is to look on Ashlyn and Titus and TJ and Trey and Annalise with eyes of love. If I know that, how much more? As a sinful father, if I know that, how much more? Our Heavenly Father. He has set his love on us. He sees, and then lastly, it says, and God had respect unto them. As you study the original words that we translate here in our Bible as God had respect unto them, it could also be accurately phrased, he took notice. He knew them. He knew what was going on. He was concerned about them. He acknowledged them. God knew. 
You study out that word that he had respect unto them. God knew what they were going through. He knew what was going on. He was concerned about them. He knew it was time to act on their behalf. And by the way, from that verse, the very next part of the Bible, what it goes into is the call of Moses. God knew what they were going through, He knew what they needed, and He was already at work to answer their prayer, to meet their need, to redeem His people from their sin and from their place of struggle. You look, it's the burning bush is the next story. It is God saying, I heard, I remember my promise to you, I see where you're at, and I know what you need, and I know that it's time to act, and so now I'm going to put my redemption plan in place, and I'm going to start my redemption plan, I'm going to go call my Moses with a burning bush, and before you know it, you're going to be being saved out of Egypt with a strong hand, the blood on the doorpost, and you're going to spoil the Egyptians, and you're going to come out, and you're going to be a victorious people. You're going to see my miraculous provision. You're going to go from what you think is a dead-end existence to the greatest life ever lived to live in joy and in fellowship and in fulfillment of God's plan for your life. He knows every element of the circumstances we are in. Every obligation that burdens us, every temptation that we face, He knows our past and our present and our future, and that reality will change our daily lives. It will change us. Here's the reality, church, and I'm almost done. No matter how much you learn and study Scripture, there will still be unanswered questions. Brother Morris, you've been preaching as a missionary for 45 years, do you ever have somebody ask you a question about the Bible and you just say, I'll be honest, I just take that one by faith? And I'll say things like this, when my finite mind can't comprehend the infiniteness of God in that way. People talk about what we call, theologians like these really important sounding phrases, we call it the hypostatic union. Doesn't that sound important? The hypostatic union just simply means that God, fully God, came and became fully man, that the deity of Christ, the God portion of Christ, He became a man, and He was 100% God and 100% man when He walked this earth, yet without sin. He never, he never lost a deity. When we say He became a man, He didn't lose His deity. Well. For, for us, all of our laws of mathematics, you can't have 100 plus 100. That doesn't work. You only have 100%. So how do you explain? And, and I'll say, my mind, if I had a God that my mind could wrap everything around, it would be too small of a God. And there are things that my mind will never fully comprehend or be able in this feeble, finite mind be able to fully express. That's not to say that the Christian faith is a blind faith. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we will always have some questions. God, why did you allow this to happen that way? And God, why didn't you step in there? And that doesn't make sense to me. And why, why did it go that way? And I don't understand. There will always be a mystery and, un, and unanswered questions. We will never know everything, but this is a reminder. God had respect unto them. God knew. This is a reminder that we are known. We won't always know everything, but we are known. And here's the reality, church. Our rest, our peace is not found in knowing. It is found in being known by Him. Human peace, rest, and security is not in knowing, it is in being known. You're known by God. I'm known by God. He knows me and He knows you. There are no strangers in His kingdom. 
We wake up every morning with questions and confusion and uncertainty, and the peace we hunger for is not found in our understanding. We are going to, in, in uh, two weeks, we're going to start for three weeks, three weeks on our Tuesday night summer preaching series. We're bringing in Dr. Toby England for a, an apologetics three-week series where we're going to talk about being able to defend our faith and knowing why we believe what we believe. And it's a good thing, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. The Bible says, be ready to give an answer to everyone that asketh you of the hope that lies within you. It's a good thing to know what you believe and why you believe it. But there can be a danger to boil with, within the apologetics world to boil our faith down to answers we can give. It's an intellectual knowledge that we can have. And here's the reality. We'll never have all the answers to all that's happening in this world. We won't know everything, but God knows. God knew. Sometimes when we say no to our kids and they don't understand why, how do we sometimes respond? Maybe something like this. Honey, does daddy love you? Yes. But daddy, why can't I? Would daddy ever do anything to hurt you on purpose? No. But daddy, I don't understand. Does daddy know what's best? I just need you to trust daddy. Aren't there some times like that? And you know, sometimes there are things we don't know. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds the future, and I know who holds my hand. Christian, does Daddy love you? I'm not trying to be irreverent, but he's our Heavenly Father. Would Daddy ever do anything that isn't for your good and for his glory? Can you trust your heavenly father? So you know what? I may not know why he's doing this. I may not know how this is all going to turn out, but I am known. God has respect unto me. God knows where I'm at, and he knows what I need. I don't know why God has allowed certain things, but I know that he knows me, and he loves me, and he hears me, and he remembers me, and he sees me. Think about those four words. God heard. God remembered. Whatever the third word was. God saw. See, I, sometimes I don't know. But he does. I didn't get a long enough nap. Kids were waking me up. God heard. And God remembered. And God saw, and God knows. Those four words, the beauty, and from that, as their cry lifted up, God said, let me put into motion the redemption plan for my people. You don't have to wait in line. You don't need an appointment. You don't have to request a time slot. He hears. He remembers his promises. He looks on you with eyes of love, and he looks down and he says, I know, Ryan, he's mine, and he will be mine forever, and nothing can separate us from the love of God, not, not, not heights or depths, none of those things, and in that that he knows there is peace, why then would you not want to know him? Why then would you not want to commune with him every day? Why then would you not want to love him and to serve him? Why then would you not want to stay faithful to him no matter what? And as we heard 
this pastor preached from these three verses, a shorter message than I've preached. He said at the end in his closing, he said, there are two cries of every human heart. The first cry is this, will somebody love me? Will somebody love me, truly love me? Every human cries that. It's inside of us. Will somebody love me? And then the second cry is this, once they really know me, will they still love me? And the four words of Exodus 2 answer yes, 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 yes. Somebody does love you. And somebody that knows you still loves you. He's the best friend you could ever find, a friend that hears and remembers and sees and knows. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Exodus 2. Near the end of his life, what did he say? He said, I no longer call you my servants. I call you my friends. I know you, and I love you. I hear you, and I see you, and I remember my promises. May that truth change everything, no matter what you and I may face. A beautiful passage he hears, he remembers, he sees, and he knows. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.